James Kennedy Ministries presents Truths That Transform. The Roe versus Wade ruling marked a grim anniversary this week, but could there be light on the horizon? The Dobbs case coming out of Mississippi was originally um, thought about to really strike a blow uh, to Roe versus Wade. We look at the current landscape for the sanctity of human life in America and offer some much needed hope on today's Truths That Transform. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. In 1973, 49 years ago this weekend, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled in Roe v. Wade and a companion case called Doe v. Bolton to legalize abortion nationwide. On today's program, we will look at the enormous toll that has taken, and we'll share some compelling resources with you that will enlighten you and encourage you. As we begin, millions have died as a result of Roe and its related cases. These decisions ushered in and then maintained a culture of death that overshadows America today. But there is some real hope on the horizon. Here's Dr. Jerry Newcomb with more. Question. Once the Supreme Court has made its decisions, such as the 1973 abortion case, Roe v. Wade, are those rulings etched in stone? We've seen the, uh, the left and the pro-abortion crowd argue that uh, abortion, uh, as we understand it for the last 30 years, is settled law. Uh, nothing can be done about it. Well, there is no such thing as settled law when a court is wrong. And the Supreme Court has been wrong. Uh, I think the most notable case of that was uh, the Dred Scott case, where it's hard to believe now, but the court, much to their shame, uh, decided, said, that uh, uh, slaves had no rights uh, that the rest of us were bound to respect. On December 1st, 2021, the U.S. Supreme Court heard an abortion case out of Mississippi, Dobbs v. Jackson. Court watchers say this is the most serious challenge to Roe v. Wade in a long time. We were really struck by this case that came out of Mississippi, the, uh, the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Um, for numbers of reasons, um, this case is a historic case that really for the first time in really probably 30 years, we'll have the opportunity to strike uh, a blow to Roe versus Wade. And so I think many in the pro-life movement have been waiting for this opportunity. The Dobbs versus Jackson women's health case probably presents us with the biggest opportunity we've had all of, since all the way back to 1973 uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade, which I hope most Americans understand right now, found an imaginary right in the Constitution. Our founding fathers would be mortified 
if they thought they had written a document that could later be used to justify abortion on demand. You know, the idea that, hey, this is settled uh, has you know, come up you know, time and time again within our nation's history. Uh, at one point in time, uh, they said that it was settled that uh, African Americans were not fully human. Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson at one time suggested that separate but equal uh, was acceptable. But the court has concluded uh, that they can be changed, that they can change their minds and that based on new information and uh, I would say even enlightened perspectives that, uh, that the court can make uh, decisions differently than it has in the past. Why is there a shot at overturning Roe at this particular juncture? Scholars note that it's because of the current makeup of the court. Other states have tried this uh, and, and the, the efforts have been struck down by the court. But, but now the Dobbs case went to a Supreme Court where there are three new Supreme Court justices, all of them Donald Trump appointees. And the left tried very hard to stop those justices from being put on the courts. There has been already extreme reaction from pro-abortion groups. They know that their whole abortion empire, the abortion case law in this country, is a house of cards. They know it can't hold together logically. Um, even pro-abortion scholars, legal scholars, have criticized, been very critical of Roe v. Wade and how the, the case was decided. Um, you know, inventing this right to privacy that means the right to end a pregnancy to kill a child. I mean, the whole thing was not logically consistent. It wasn't coherent. So how did the actual argumentation go on December 1st in the Dobbs case? I love what I heard in the oral arguments at the Supreme Court. The the liberal justices had such an insanely weak defense. I'll give you an example. Justice Breyer talked about how, well, what about you know, law and order? We can't have law and order if we don't have stare decisis. Stare decisis is where they look at previous you know, laws and, pre and precedent and say, well, we're going to base this ruling on this precedent. Well, there have been many supremely wrong precedents. And so Justice Breyer's uh, assertion that somehow we lose law and order if we don't hold on to these precedents is nonsense. As the arguments unfolded, as Amy Coney Barrett started talking about adoption, as, as Justice uh, Roberts was asking about, well, is there any place we can draw the line other than 24 weeks? And the pro-abortion side was sort of refused to allow anything like that. Uh, as Justice Kavanaugh talked about uh, previous Supreme Court precedents that have been overturned, uh, including uh, you know, the Supreme Court's ruling in the late 19th century that segregation is okay. Uh, I began to grow more and more and more hopeful. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, abortion defender, likened a fetus to a brain-dead person, arguing, quote, virtually every state defines a brain death as death. So I don't think that a response to stimulus by a fetus necessarily proves that there's a sensation of pain or that there's consciousness, end quote. It's uh, disappointing to see a justice so ignorant of the facts of fetal development and also so willing to, uh, to carry water for Planned Parenthood. I mean, she denied that there have been scientific advances in the last few decades, four decades since uh, Roe. It was really bizarre. She denied fetal pain and the fact that fetal pain can, can exist 20 weeks and even prior. And then she compared an unborn child to brain-dead people, which she called them dead brain people, which was odd. 
Justice Clarence Thomas brought up an interesting point during the oral arguments. He said, where in the Constitution is abortion mentioned? He really pushed the pro-abortion attorneys, both the, the one from uh, the uh, pro-abortion group and also from uh, Biden's uh, Solicitor General's office, to uh, explain where does this quote-unquote constitutional right to abortion come from? What is it founded on? Is it about autonomy? Is it about liberty? Is it, is it about uh, women's rights? And the attorneys were really struggling to come up with an answer. An important question to ask is, why does this case matter? So we're really hopeful for the future. We're, of course, our passion is to have the undoing of Roe v. Wade and Doe v. Bolton. The violence of Roe has not benefited our society, has harmed so many of us. Obviously, has killed millions, over 62 million, 63 million coming up. I believe there's actually a right to life in our founding documents. I think you can interpret that from the wording of our Constitution. And I think our Declaration of Independence, particularly the second paragraph, where it says that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among these, the right to life. Uh, I've always thought that was a remarkable thing that our founders, even before there were sonograms, understood that without the right to life, the other rights are sort of beside the point. Court watchers don't expect the Supreme Court to rule in this case anytime soon, perhaps in late June. So what happens if Roe v. Wade gets overturned? If Roe v. Wade is undone, well, good. Then it forces us, especially as Christians, to do what we're called to do, and that's to love one another. And what does that mean? It means self-sacrifice. It means like my parents being the ones who actually bring in the single parent, the single mother, and taking care of her and taking care of her children. It means sacrificing ourselves as a church and understanding, hey, here's where we can, we can provide all kinds of love and compassion. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the future, uh, a future America that does not believe that abortion is somehow uh, an act of compassion, but it's an act of injustice. This whole issue of abortion uh, needs to be sent back to the states. The states have a lot more leeway, even under Roe, to regulate abortion than they've been allowed to up till now. And, and that would mean that this battle over abortion would now be fought out in every state around the union. Winning for the pro-life side is not about court battles. It's not about even public opinion polls or votes on the Supreme Court. It's not even about legislation. It's really about saving babies from abortion and transforming our culture. Killing a child at any age is wrong, uh, but to empower the state to protect at least more babies um, is a step in the right direction. I'm hopeful that the court will be intellectually honest and courageous and do the right thing, which is to undo the disaster that is Roe v. Wade and all of its subsequent um, precedent that supports the First of all, it's illogical, it contradicts itself, this, this baseless uh, position that a child in the womb is somehow not a human, doesn't deserve to live, that women uh, need abortion. Uh, they can correct that if they wanted to. That would be dramatic for them to fully um, overturn Roe, but it's a possibility. So I look to the court with hope, um, and I you know, would advocate and urge them to be honest and courageous. The moral blindness of abortion has been a crimson stain on our national character for 49 years. 
to declare abortion not only legal, but a constitutional right is an act of creative mendacity and evil that few other things in modern memory can even rival. Dr. D. James Kennedy saw this clearly. He forcefully and persuasively speaks out on the sanctity of life and the evil being perpetrated in abortion on demand. And as a result of voices like his, the tide is turning. Here's Dr. Kennedy with a portion of his powerful message, Life, an Inalienable Right. It was in 1973 that the Supreme Court passed the infamous Roe v. Wade decision. And in that they said that unborn children are not persons and are not deserving of the protection of our Constitution and our law, and thus the American Holocaust was unleashed. It is good to remember the context in which that decision was made in 1973. We had just come through the decade of the 60s. All of the moral values, traditions, and rules and laws of life that had governed Western civilization for 2,000 years had been, it seemed, suddenly jettisoned in one decade. And acting in that moral vacuum, the Supreme Court moved to provide what they felt was a solution to the problems created by the blatant and epidemic immorality in America. And so the sin which was engendered in the sexual revolution was to be covered up by the abortion revolution. That has been such a dark blotch on the escutcheon of our country. How could we have allowed such a thing to happen? Well, it begins with semantic manipulation, and it always begins with semantic manipulation. In 1857, in the now infamous Dred Scott decision, the Supreme Court of the United States declared that slaves were not persons in the sense of the constitutional law, and therefore they were not protected by our Constitution or by our laws. Now we look back on that and we say, how could people have been so morally blind, so morally obtuse? How can there have been such moral turpitude as to suppose that these were things which people owned and could do with such as they will, even to the point of killing them? Well, the Bible tells us that light has come into the world, and men prefer darkness because their deeds are evil. Neither come they to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved that they are wrought in darkness. And so it was done in large measure in darkness, in private, in secret, on large plantations, and hid from the eyes in large part of many people. But then men like William Wilberforce in England spoke over and over and over again to the Parliament, had a committee which gathered information on the treatment of slaves and the, 
the murder of slaves, and finally more and more light came, and though they resisted it steadfastly, finally the light blinded their eyes, and Parliament voted in 1807 to do away with the slave trade. It took light invading the darkness. In 1936, another high tribunal, the Supreme Tribunal of Nazi Germany, declared that Jews were not persons and therefore not protected by the laws of Nazi Germany. And this opened the gates to the Holocaust, and millions died. And we say, how could those people have been so morally blind? How could they have been so morally obtuse? How such could such moral turpitude have existed without the people doing something about it? Well, in large measure, it was done in darkness, in private, hidden behind the electrified walls or or fences of concentration camps. But finally the war ended, the gates were thrown open, and light was shined upon the atrocities, and people responded with horror. They were revolted. They were aghast at what had taken place. But it took the light to do that. In 1973, the Supreme Court of the United States again demonstrated their consummate wisdom by passing Roe v. Wade, And in that, they said that unborn children are not persons and are not deserving of the protection of our Constitution and our law, and thus the American Holocaust was unleashed. I am sure that one day people will say, how could have Americans at the end of the 20th century have been so blind, so morally obtuse? How could such moral turpitude have been allowed to continue. How? Because in large measure it has been done in darkness, in abortatoriums. But the light is beginning to shine. The Bible is very clear. It constantly refers to the unborn child precisely as that, an unborn child. The same words are used to describe the child in the womb and outside of the womb. In Greek, it is brephos for the unborn child and brephos for a young child lying in a manger. Furthermore, we're told about both Jeremiah and John the Baptist that they were sanctified from the mother's womb or consecrated, ordained as a prophet to the nation from the mother's womb. You don't consecrate or sanctify a thing, a glob of tissue, but a person. And the babe in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy. Things don't have joy. When Mary came carrying Jesus in her womb. No, the Bible is clear. It is a person, not a thing that is in the womb. It is only by lies and deceptions and deceit that they are able to keep this ghastly thing going. Sherry Richard, who is a sonographer, who takes sonograms, of uh, babies in the womb, said something, I think, very, very perceptive. She said this, if wombs had windows, abortion would end tomorrow. Think about it. If the light shined into that darkness, people would see the atrocities, and they would be appalled. They would recoil in horror, and they would say, this must end. 
How could people allow such a thing as that to happen? But it happens in the secrecy behind the well-protected doors of abortion clinics and behind the walls of a mother's womb, unseen and unheard. I recall a woman had an air bubble injected into her womb in order to carefully be able to delineate the walls of the uterus. But she found that when she lay down at night, the bubble covered the mouth of the baby, and the baby cried and kept her awake. She complained to her doctor. If such a bubble were over the face of a baby being aborted, it would scream bloody murder, for that is precisely what it is, and there would be an end to abortion. How long, how long will this Holocaust go on? The encouragement is that Dr. Kennedy's clear and uncompromising language on abortion, combined with the likes of Francis Schaeffer, Everett Koop, James Dobson, and others kept the light shined on the enormity of this practice. And for the first time in a generation, we finally see the real possibility of Roe versus Wade being overturned in this Supreme Court term, with the gains that are being realized and the real possibility of the lawmaking power on the sanctity of human life issues being returned to the states. It's never been more important for you and those around you to understand the biblical truth about human life. That's why I want to send you Dr. Kennedy's book, The Lord of Life, Developing a Christian View of Human Life, as our thanks for your generous donation to the culture-impacting work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. As you heard in today's message, nobody spoke with the force and clarity of Dr. Kennedy on the sanctity of human life. And in this book, which he co-wrote with Dr. Jerry Newcomb, you'll find answers to key questions about the beginning and the end of human life. This book contains key biblical and historic truths presented in Dr. Kennedy's memorable and concise style. This book will help you be a more persuasive advocate for life and be a tool for convincing others in your sphere of influence. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $60 or more, we will send you the book, Lord of Life, plus the film Roe vs. Wade on DVD. This recent theatrical release tells the true story that's been hidden from you until now. Watch the most famous and controversial court case in history, Roe versus Wade, unfold before your very eyes. And then share this truth-filled movie with others. 
It stars Oscar-winning actor John Voight and takes a deeper look into the parties involved on both sides of this landmark decision. That's the book, Lord of Life, Developing a Christian View of Human Life, as our thanks for your generous donation, and the book plus the DVD movie, Roe vs. Wade, as our thanks for your gift of $60 or more. And as you give, you will be helping us to proclaim and defend truth on key cultural and moral issues via television broadcasting, documentary films, print resources, and much, much more. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. In December, the United States Supreme Court gave you and me hope for an end to Roe versus Wade. First, in a preliminary ruling upholding for now, a Texas law banning abortion after a baby's heart starts beating. And second, the court inspired hope as it heard oral arguments in perhaps the greatest challenge to Roe versus Wade in a generation. The case involves a Mississippi law banning abortions beyond 15 weeks. An abortion clinic challenged the law and the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case this term. What makes this case particularly interesting is that it directly challenges the Roe versus Wade precedent and calls for the high court to overturn it. And the fact that the court would even decide to accept such a case is encouraging. In its brief to the court, Mississippi argues Roe and related cases are egregiously wrong. The conclusion that abortion is a constitutional right has no basis in text, structure, history, or tradition of the Constitution. My friend, this case needs your prayers. It is the best opportunity to overturn Roe so far, and six of the nine justices were appointed by avowedly pro-life presidents. But Chief Justice John Roberts has previously shown a great reluctance to depart from court precedent or to make sweeping rulings, viewing the institutional consistency of the court more highly than the actual text of the Constitution. And there are some recently appointed justices who have never ruled on a case of this magnitude before. As we have discovered through long and, quite frankly, painful experience, there are no guarantees of how an unproven justice will rule. So pray for the courage of this court, that they will do the right thing and overturn the shameful Roe versus Wade ruling when they announce their decision this summer. The Constitution enumerates no right to kill babies, whatever any judge claims. And our nation has the blood of more than 63 million children on our hands. Let's pray that God would bless America, which has called itself a nation under God, with a heartfelt repentance beginning today. 
D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for being with us. Here's a look at the next truths that transform. And I literally am the 1% that is used 100% of the time to justify abortion. But yet the circumstances of our conception never change the condition of our worth. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.